we've been looking at uh, some of the great statements of Jesus we find in the Gospels and uh, finding things that, that challenge us, and I hope they've been helpful and challenging for you. How many of you have ever been um, in, in the western part of our state or, or out? I don't think they have them in the Oklahoma City area, but have seen those big wind turbines uh, that kind of generate. How many of you have seen those? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're, they're humongous, and you get out west, and they're, they're, they're everywhere. Reading an article last week, um, last that uh, was really interesting. They were talking about the fact that you know it's been a great source of wind energy, but one of the unintended consequences of building those wind turbines uh, is fact that they kill birds. Uh, in fact, anybody want to guess in North America how many birds were they estimate were killed by those wind turbines last year? Nobody wants to make a guess. Nobody wants to be wrong, do you? Yeah. How about this? 20 million. 20 million birds. And so in realizing it, because what happens is those things spin, as they get spin fast, that begins to blur into the sky, and they can't really, they can't really see them. And so they fly right into them. And so they were trying to figure out something that they could do um, that, to come up with an idea that would help, you know, maybe save a few birds. And so here's what they did. Throw that up on the screen. They've decided they, they found if, that, if they paint just one of those blades black on those wind turbines, that actually birds can see them. They, they, they figured out that it, it'll, they'll have 70% less deaths of birds by painting one blade black than, than leaving them the same, which I thought was really interesting. Now, full disclosure, in the article they did say wind turbines are not the leading cause of death in birds in North America. Anybody want to guess what is? Who said cats? Yeah, absolutely right. House cats. Now, think about this. this is, I, I just thought this was astounding. How many of you have cat, house cats? How many of you used to have house cats be, and got rid of them because you found them evil? Yes. <laughs> Some people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what I thought was really interesting. They were saying there, you know, 20 million birds killed by, these, by wind turbines. Guess how many birds are killed in North America, they estimate, by house cats? 50 million? 100 million? Who said a billion? A billion? A billion birds? Ah, how about this? Between 2.5 and 3.7 billion birds in North America alone are killed by house cats. I think we ought to paint all cats black. Huh? How about that? I mean, forget the turbines. Now, I want, I want to be honest with you. I'm reading this article, and it was talking about, you know, how much it costs to paint one of these things. And, you know, they, they, they try to do it during assembly because you can imagine somebody dangling up there with a paint bucket trying to paint one of those things, you know, 50 yards up in the sky. I, I was thinking to myself when they're talking about all this, I, I've got to be honest, my first reaction was this. They're birds. Birds die. You know, it's kind of, if the birds are dumb enough to fly into it, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I got to be honest, that's my, you know, no mercy, lack of, but do birds matter? Sure they do. Look at me, I want you to hear my heart. All life matters to God. You know, one of the things you discover as you read God's word was that he's the one who is the author of life. Now, this is a really important piece because, can we be honest, we live in a culture that has stopped valuing life so much. I mean, one of the things uh, as a church, we are unashamedly pro-life. Why? 
Because we believe babies, when they are conceived, are precious to God, that they are His creation. You know, we, 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 we believe that God doesn't, you know, is, doesn't stand behind racism. Why? Because we believe that every race and every color and every person that's created is created in the image of God, that they are all precious and valuable to Him. You know, we live in a culture where it says, you know, you can, you can throw babies away, and if, you, if people get old, they need to be get discarded. And, you know, if people become, you know, uh, dis- have disabilities, well, we need to throw them aside. But we need to understand life is precious to God. Now look at me. Your life is precious to God. Because what's interesting is how easy we can say amen to the belief that life is valuable to God, but there are some of us, I promise you, sitting in this room, watching online, and you don't believe your life is all that valuable to God. But it is. It is. You ready? Take out your sermon outline. You can track along with me or doodle to keep yourself awake. Those of you watching online, just keep nudging each other. Don't let them drift off on me. Because I know some of y'all are still sitting in your pajamas wherever you are today. I want you to look at a, at, at a passage from Matthew chapter 10. And these words of Jesus, I think, are just so incredibly powerful. He talks both about birds and he talks about us. Here's what he says. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head, they're all numbered. Now, how many of you are like me and you're making God's job a lot easier these days? You know, just, you know, he don't have a one, two, well, I guess that's it. You know, can I move on? He says, so don't be afraid. You, ah, no, no, no. We got to read this last sentence out loud together. Ready? Here we go. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You are precious and priceless to God. Now, I want to give you today what I I hope will be a great word of hope. Uh, Some of you have have grown up in backgrounds where I, I, I guarantee you, you haven't always been treated like you were precious and priceless. Some of you have grown up in homes where you were not thought of so well. Some of you have been told all of your life that your life doesn't matter. And today, if that's the background you came from, or maybe this last week, if if you've had a few doubts about yourself, I want to breathe into you a fresh word from God today. Are you ready? I want to tell you something God says, a few things God says about you. Here we go. Here's the first one. God says you are amazing and unique. God says you are amazing and unique. I want you to just turn to somebody at least close to you. I know we're social distancing, but yell across the pew and say, you're amazing. <laughs> no, no, no. Say it like you mean it. No, no, no. Yeah, you're, you're amazing because you are. There, there, and you know what? There is no one in the world like you. God made you special and unique. In fact, I love these words. Psalm 139, 13 to 14. Read this out loud with me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is, it's what? Baby, you are simply marvelous. (laughs) Simply 
marvelous. That's what God says about you. And don't you love the way that all of us are different no matter who we are? And I love what's, what's so cool is I love how technology is catching up with that and discovering that we are uniquely made and that they can actually tack that in for security. In fact, how many of you, um, how many of you have ever seen facial recognition phones? How many of you have one? Yeah. How many of you have seen them though? You've heard of them anyway. Okay. I need somebody to help me. Josh, good. Thank you for volunteering. Come on up. If you haven't gone, uh, come on up, Josh. If you haven't gone to Chuck Whetstone's Facebook page, you need to because you need to see the labor store, the uh, lightsaber that Josh made. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. Okay, Josh, well, gonna, I know we need to social distance just a second, but this is, uh, I, want you to, I want you to put your face in there and maybe, drop the mask. And maybe it's the mask. Maybe, maybe, say facial recognition. Facial recognition. It's not working. Okay, say Pastor Steve is the greatest pastor. It's not working. Now, why do you think this isn't working? No, actually, it's not working because this isn't a facial recognition phone. (laughs) But I love how you said Pastor Steve is the greatest pastor. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. But what it is, stay here. You don't get away. You don't get off that easy. You can put your mask back on. You don't get away. But what it does have is is, is I have a thumbprint. How many of you have one where you can do a thumbprint on it? Yeah. And you know why? Because everybody's thumb. Now, I want you to put your thumb on that little button. Just tap it and let go. Now, does it, tap it again. Does it, all, does it come open? No. You got Siri, but you can't. No, make your phone open. It's not. I was asking you for a passcode. And why is it doing that? It, because it's not your thumbprint. Thanks, Josh. Give Josh a hand. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. There, why, why can they do that? You know why they can do that? Nobody's got your thumbprint. Not unless they lifted it off a glass like in a spy show or something, you know. Nobody's got your thumbprint. Nobody's got your face. You can, you can do that. And they can do that technology. Look at me. Because you, yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, so often when, when we're born, some of us are, are, are kind of pushed into a corner. And we're saying, you know, be like everyone else. Fit into the crowd. Blend in. And you know what? You weren't born to blend in. God made you unique. And I don't care what you've been told. God made you amazing. And there is no one like you. Amen? Amen. You better believe it. I love this. God also says that you have infinite value. God says that you have infinite value. Two years ago, in France, there was a, uh, a woman who was cleaning out her, uh, her attic, and she was going through the various boxes that she had stored up there, and uh, she came across this shoe box, and when she opened it, uh, there was newspaper that was wrapped around a, uh, uh, some kind of porcelain thing, and she opened it, and it was a vase. And then she remembered when she saw it that uh, several years ago, uh, her grandparents, before they died, had actually given it to her, and they had told her that one of them, I don't know if the grandfather or the grandmother, had an uncle who actually had left it to them in his will. So she knew it was very old, and it looked very fragile, and had been sitting in her attic for years. And as she was cleaning out things, she thought to herself, I wonder if it's worth anything. And she said, it looks old. It could be an antique, you know, maybe, maybe a couple hundred bucks, maybe, maybe a thousand. 
And so she left it in the box, wrapped in it, and she got on the metro, and she ended up going down to Sotheby's, who actually do auctions for antiques and very kinds of things. And she walked in, and she laid it before the guy who was the appraiser. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is what that vase looked like. And when the appraiser looked at it, his jaw dropped. And he looked at the woman, and he said, where have you had this? And she said, well, my grandparents gave it to me. An uncle had willed it to them. It's been in our family for a lot of years. Is it worth anything? And the, the guy smiled, and he said, yeah, it's worth a little bit. And she said, well, how much? And he said, well, this is an 18th century uh, porcelain vase. It comes from China. He said, I think there's only one other that I know that is like it. And he said, whatever dynasty that it was from and all of that. And he said, it's quite valuable. And she said, well, how valuable? And he said, well, I think if we auction this, are you ready for this? He said, I think if we auction this, we could probably get $300,000 for it. And this woman was just blown away. She was thinking, are you kidding me? This thing has been sitting up in my attic. I, I treated it as some discarded piece of junk that my grandparents were trying to slough off on me, and it's worth $300,000. She, she was just blown away. Well, when they did have the auction, and they did put it on the auction, it, but it didn't, it didn't sell for $300,000. It sold for $51 million. How many of you are going to go check your attic out when you get home? Now, when I read that story, I thought, you know what? Look at me, gang. For some of you, this is your story. I promise you, this is your story. Because some of you have been told all your life you're not worth much. You're a bother. You're a pain. You're in the way. You're an accident. I wish we hadn't had you. I don't know who you are, but you, you know, some of us have been treated like we are some hand-me-down from, from a generation ago, or some of us have been treated like we've been like trash all of our life, and some of us have never been felt like we are made worth much, but God says you are of infinite value. I don't care what anyone has said about you. God says you're precious and you're priceless. In fact, I, I love Isaiah 62, as God was reminding his people who had been in captivity and they'd been treated so harshly. And, and they again, you can imagine their self-esteem was beginning to plummet. But look what the Lord says in Isaiah 62, 2 and 3. Read it out loud. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. You see, I don't care what anyone has said about you. I don't care what any names anyone has called you. God says he calls you by a new name. He calls you by a brand new name. He says, when you're in my hand, you're like this jewel. You're a gem. You are priceless to him. Isaiah 43, 4, word of the Lord spoken to you. Read it with me. You are precious to me. You are honored, and I love you. Make eye contact. Come on. I know some of you have been treated very poorly. I know that there are some of you who have felt even this week that your life really didn't matter all that much. But it does. In spite of what you may have been led to believe about yourself, you are of infinite value to God. Amen. Can I tell you something else? 
God says that you have unlimited potential. God says that you have unlimited potential. It's so interesting to me how often the world looks at people and makes such a snap judgment and and sometimes it gets, it gets people into trouble. I know some of you, most of you in this room aren't as old as I am. But anybody remember the great Fred Astaire? Remember, some of you will remember him. If you don't, you can look him up on YouTube. They may have old videos of him. This guy was just, you know, so world famous. But when, I remember when his, his first audition, I think one of the, one of the guys who was, who was there wrote in the note said, can't sing, can't act, can dance a little. And here's a guy who ended up making a fortune. Why? Because people look, look at what's on the outside, and they, they, they make quick judgment, and sometimes they treat them very poorly. And you know what? Sometimes it's to their own demise. <laughs> One of my favorite stories I've read in a long time is a guy named Rolf Klassen lives in Sweden. Rolf's an older guy. Can't get around very well. He was standing. Um, he walks with a walker. And he was standing at an ATM in his walker getting some money out. And after he got the money out, he turned around and there were two thugs standing behind him. And one of them had a knife and demanded his money. And Rolf turned and he looked at him and he said, this is not going to end well for you. And the thugs laughed at him and the one with the knife lurched forward. And when they did, Rolf twigged back and caught him with a right hook and knocked him out. The other guy, he looked surprised and stepped forward, and he caught, he caught him with a left jab and knocked him out. Rolf Klassen was a former professional boxer. <laughs> he may have walked with a walker, but his hands were still good. <laughs> and you see, that's what happens in this world. This world looks at people and they says, you know what, they, they're, 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 no, they're good for nothing. Who, what can they accomplish? And some of you, you've believed that. You've believed that your life really doesn't have meaning or purpose or value. And God says, you know what, when I put my spirit in you, you become incredibly, not only important, but significant. You have unlimited potential. I love the story of, of, of David when he was called to be king anointed to be king when Samuel was told to go to the house of Jesse. He said, one of the sons is going to be the, be the new king. And, you know, Samuel's looking for this guy who looks like a king. And I love it on your outline, 1 Samuel 16. It says, and when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest brother, and he thought, here he is, God's anointed. This is from the message. I love Eugene Peterson. But God told Samuel, Looks aren't everything. Say that out loud with me. Looks aren't everything. How many of you are glad for that today? Yeah. Looks aren't everything. He says, don't be impressed with his looks or his stature. I've already eliminated him. Read it with me, church. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. And there are some of you, you really need to hear this today. That God has some stuff he wants to do, not just in you, but through you. You really do have unlimited potential. I'll never forget, there's a, a woman who's a, a good friend of Wanda and I, who uh, many years ago came to our, our church in Pennsylvania. And she had an incredibly horrible, horrible low self-esteem. Uh, she had been, we found out later from, in, from a very uh, abusive background, she had been physically, emotionally, sexually abused, had basically been treated horribly all of her life. 
came in, she had a, a, a big hooded sweatshirt and she kind of pulled it around her head and she wouldn't look up. And I remember seeing her walk in for the first time and take a seat in the back and just for the first few weeks, she kept coming, but she, she would hardly make eye contact. And as we began to talk to her, we began to get her to open up a, a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and it was so cool because we began to just watch God work in her heart as, as she began to believe that maybe she was of value to God and that maybe she wasn't just to be discarded. And, and you could just see the love of God just begin to, to well up in her as she began to open up piece by piece. It was so cool. Now, one Sunday, I, I preached this message on the giftedness of all believers and, and how the New Testament teaches that if you're a Christ follower and His Spirit lives in you, then you are just as gifted and you are just as called to ministry as I am, that you have a place and a purpose and you just need to find it. And I'll never forget, after that service, standing outside the church and, and her coming up to me and she said, Steve, I, I know what you're saying, but she goes, I, I just don't have any gifts. And I looked at her and I said, that's horrible theology. God says, if his spirit lives in you, you do have gifts. She goes, but I, I really don't. I, I, I can't really do anything. She goes, all I have is time. I said, you have time? She said, yes. She goes, I, I'm on disability. She said, I can't work. She goes, I got two special needs kids. And, and she goes, I'm, I'm at home all day. She goes, I've got all kinds of time. I said, you have time? And she said, yeah. I said, well, would you be willing to give us some of that time? She said, what do you mean? I said, well, man, we've got all kinds of stuff at the office that need to get done. And, you know, if you, could you come and stuff envelopes for us and help us sort things and file things? Could you, you know, would you be willing to, you know, donate some of that time to help us, you know, get some things done that we need to get done? She said, you mean you would trust me with that? I said, well, we'll take your application. <laughs> Of course, you know, we love it. And she started coming and it was cool because she began to believe, you know, there's a place and there's a purpose for her. And she began to do that stuff. You know, this is back in the day when, when we recorded sermons, we recorded them on cassette tapes. Now, I know there's a bunch of you who don't even know what a cassette tape is. But back in the day, that was modern technology, baby. And we would make a message and we had this three to one duplicator that we would take the original one and we would make three copies off of it and, and we would give them out to our people for free and they, would, they could give them away to people and all that kind of stuff and the ministry was growing. And I remember coming to her one day saying, hey, would you, would you be willing to take over our, our tape ministry? Would you, begin to, would you be willing to do this? And she said, you would trust me with that. We said, absolutely. And so she, she began to do it. She made the tape. She put people's name on them. She made sure that the, they were stocked up, and that became her ministry. And it was so cool. And, and that time went by, about a year and a half maybe. And uh, I remember one Sunday I was preaching again on the giftedness of all believers and how God can use anyone. And while I was preaching, I made eye contact with her. And my mind went back to that first day outside when, when she came up to me telling me she had no gifts and what she had been doing. And so I called her out. I said, would you stand right where you are? And she did. And I, I told people, I said, you know, she didn't believe she had a gift, but God is using her now to, to, to head up our tape ministry and make that. And I said, here's what I want to do. If your first contact with our church was somebody gave you a tape, if you came here, uh, the first contact that you had with, with me as a preacher or with our church was somebody gave you a tape or got one, would you just stand? And about 25 people stood in that service, stood to their feet. And I said, look. These people are the fruit of your labor. Now, here's a woman that all of her life had been told she was worth absolutely 
nothing. That she was a nobody. That she would never accomplish anything. And what she discovered is, baby, greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. God's spirit is in you. You are created to make a difference. Amen? You better believe it. I love what Jesus says. Jesus takes it one step further in John 14, 12. Throw that up on the screen. Read it out loud with me, would you? The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Let me give you one more. What does God say about you? He, God says that regardless of what you've done, you are valuable, you are forgivable, and you are loved. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit this morning that as you look back upon your past, there are some things that you are not proud of? Anybody? You know, what's so interesting is how the enemy will take those things where we have failed and how he will try to hold them over our head and keep bringing those back to our remembrances to keep us from doing anything for God now. And what's interesting on top of that is how we live in a culture that seems to want to do that. You know, what's, what's, so, what's so strange now is that everything is recorded, videoed. And, and, and so if you mess up at all, somebody catches it. You know what? It's, it's, it's played and replayed and replayed and replayed. And it's almost what, you know what, if, if you have a bad day, if you do something wrong, it gets caught. You know what? That, you, that's who you are. You, you are judged by the worst moment in your life. And it's unforgivable. And you're no longer of use. And nobody else cares. And that's, that's, again, kind of those messages that we get in our culture. But you've got to understand, that is not the heart of God. Look at me. You've got to look at me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how horrible your past has been. God says you are forgivable. God says you are still valuable. And no matter what you've done, believe it or not, you are still loved by Him. Amen? I love what Isaiah says. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'll make them as white as wool. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses. Read it out loud with me, church. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why I wrote this on your outline. You know what? God takes those that the world calls trash. And he makes them his treasure. And he takes those who are called sinners. And he makes them saints. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's Andrea Logan White. When Andrea was uh, a teen, uh, she had a lot of challenges in her life. She struggled with um, drugs and alcohol. She struggled with uh, eating disorders. Very with a lot of things that came out of her view of herself and how she believed she was perceived. 
she was a pretty girl. And along the way, she found out that her beauty could open doors for her. She had a, a friend who invited her to not just be a roommate, but he had a friend who had connections and actually connected her to the whole uh, Playboy Mansion. And she actually moved into the Playboy Mansion and got to, you know, be there with uh, Hugh Hefner and all that stuff that was, that was happening there. Um, but she was still never happy. She eventually left and decided to uh, become an actress and moved to Hollywood and she was scrambling around trying to get auditions and find her way and make herself famous. And, and one day her life changed. I'll read it in her own words. My journey came to a head one day when I was driving my car and and I was literally crying out to God after an audition. I was at my wit's end. I couldn't make ends meet. I had multiple jobs. He said, I had tears in my eyes, and I was at the end of my rope, and I was contemplating taking my own life. And I said this prayer, God, why am I here on earth? Why am I even here? She said, interestingly enough, as she was saying that, a, a guy in an old beat-up red car pulled up beside her that had a Jesus loves you bumper sticker on his car. And she looked over at him, and he smiled, and he waved, and he started pointing at his radio. And she shook her head, and he turned it up, and she started pointing, and she could hear a man talking on the radio just before the guy drove off. And so she tuned her station, and she found that station, and it was a preacher. And she said it was a, a pastor repeating the words I had just cried out to God. He was saying, there are people out there who are crying out to God and they don't know their purpose. And God is here. And he has a plan for your life. And it is a good plan. And she realized that that was not a chance encounter, that that was a divine moment. And Andrea said she left there and she found her way to a church where she received Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. She became a part of that church and along the way she met a man who loved her for who she was and they married. And Out of all of that, they did something really amazing. They realized that the entertainment industry is an evil industry that can just suck the life out of anyone involved. And so they decided to create something of beauty and of value. They created pureflix.com entertainment. And her and her husband now head up this company that makes family-valued films and films that promote faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. They took something, an industry that the enemy tries to use for evil, and they have, through her life and this ministry, now redeemed it for good. Aren't you glad Andrea didn't allow herself to be judged by her past? Because here's what we know. <laughs> Every sinner has a future, and every single saint has a past. Amen? Now look at me. Just want you to hear my heart. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been in your life. 
But I'm going to guess there are at least a few of us who have found it hard to get past some of the places we've been and the things that we've done. And maybe this morning you just need to be reminded of who God is and how he feels about you. Some years ago, I came across a, a video that I absolutely loved. I got made by a guy named Barry Adams. And it's called The Father's Love Letter. And in this video, Barry Adams cites 50 different scriptures that remind us of who God is and how he feels about us. And I thought it might be appropriate this morning to, to play that video and just let you have a few moments to let God speak to you. Let his word speak to you. If you have doubts this morning about who you are or about how God feels about you, you let this speak life into your heart. Let's play that video again. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you were my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. 
because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad, Almighty God. Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you will let the power of your word sink deep into our hearts and souls. We live in a world that. Has come to regard human life as disposable, and there are so many of us who need to be reminded that we are precious and we are priceless. Father, I pray particularly for those today that have been through unbelievable trauma in their life. They've had earthly fathers and mothers who treated them horribly, and from the time they were young, Lord, they were told that. They didn't matter, and I pray today, God, that you would wrap them in your arms of healing. That today, that they would be reminded that they have a Father who loves them more than they could possibly imagine, and one who has offered His life on their behalf. Father, I pray for those who have blown it. I pray for those who have not just made a mistake but have failed time and time again. I pray for those, Lord, who look back at their past and hang their heads in shame. 
and feel like, Lord, what they have done is unforgivable. And I pray today that you would wrap your arms of grace around them and that they would know today that the power of your word says that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And that if we would confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And today, no matter what we've done, that your word says that if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. Father, I pray today that you would breathe into each one of us just a fresh new awareness of who you are and who you created us to be. And I pray that each and every one of us will live with that this week, that we will remember when, the, when those feelings come and those memories come and those messages come that tell us that we uh, are, are just the trash of this world, that we will be reminded that we are your treasure, that we are precious and we are priceless to you. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.